Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, early voting is now underway in Ohio's second primary, and election officials expect a very light turnout. Also this morning in our Throwback Thursday segment, a new policy took effect this month that dramatically impacts the way medical debt affects your credit score. We take a closer look at what that means for both consumers and creditors. A fintech startup dedicated to serving the disadvantaged has partnered with the UN Human Rights Council to bring financial assistance to the world's refugees. We have details. And happening around town, the Fort Findlay Playhouse launches their new season this month with the family comedy Making God Laugh. We'll get a preview. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, July 7th, 2022. So if you're looking for a reason to celebrate today, it is Father-Daughter Take-A-Walk-Together Day. Isn't that sweet? Uh, Also, Global Forgiveness Day, it is To Tell the Truth Day. (laughs) Which, if you tell the truth, you may have to ask for forgiveness. So good thing that those two things are happening on the same day. Chocolate Day, National Strawberry Sunday Day, National Macaroni Day, And my personal favorite, it is National Dive Bar Day. So (laughs) there is that. So uh, more uh, evidence that the the, the world is getting back to normal post-pandemic. The running of the bulls is back. Spain's famed, uh, can we call it a sport? I, I guess it's probably a sport for the bulls. Uh, The uh, famed Running of the Bulls is back after the pandemic got in the way of the event the past couple of years. Starting today, thousands of thrill-seekers will take to the streets of Pamplona for the nine-day festival, uh, joined, of course, in those streets by uh, a bunch of charging bulls. Why anybody would do that, I have no idea. You would think that, uh, you know, a couple of days or a couple of years off and people may have come to their senses. But no, it's back today, so... A couple of other uh, big stories this morning worth uh, mentioning. You know how during the uh, baby formula shortage, one of the solutions was to allow foreign manufacturers of baby formula to ship their product and sell it in the U.S., which has previously not been allowed. Well, here's uh, another example of once you do something like that, it's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube, as it were. Um, Apparently now, the FDA says it will work with these foreign manufacturers of baby formula to allow their product to be sold in the U.S. permanently. Uh, The need to to diversify and strengthen the U.S. infant formula supply is more important than ever, said uh, the FDA in a statement. The announcement comes as a shortage continues to plague the country. It's not as bad as it has been because we've got you know, more of these uh, foreign supplies, but uh, uh, the agency back in May made it easier for some baby formulas to be imported from foreign manufacturers. And since then, more than 400 million eight ounce bottles have been shipped to the U.S. So look for that to continue. Just kind of interesting there. Uh, This is uh, big news. And again, we mentioned it is dive bar day in connection with that. Perhaps scientists have announced they have discovered a cloud of alcohol in outer space. (laughs) This is the very first time. A cloud of alcohol. However, before you get too excited, it is not the same kind that you uh, might be served at your local dive bar. 
Uh, propanol is more commonly found in hand sanitizer. It's that kind of alcohol. Scientists trying to figure out what propanol's role in creating stars could be. So it is interesting discovery there. The science file. Did you hear about this? An interesting story out of uh, Europe. The famous Eiffel Tower is undergoing a facelift, a $60 million paint job ahead of the 2024 Olympic Games, which will be held in Paris. And uh, apparently, the there are those who say there are more than just cosmetic uh, improvements that need to be made to the landmark. Uh, it is reportedly littered with rust. Way back when, the architect of the tower, Gustav Eiffel, uh, stressed that there would be that it would be very important to prevent rust from damaging the structure, but his warning was not heeded. Only five percent of the rust is expected to actually be treated. The rest they'll just paint over. No big deal. <laughs> so I don't know. I saw that story and I thought to myself, I can scratch going up to the top of the Eiffel Tower off my bucket list. I no longer think that that's a I mean, if this is a big, giant rust bucket, I don't want you trapped on the top. You know what I mean? It's kind of disturbing. Um, Speaking of putting the toothpaste back in the tube, we used that uh, turn of phrase just a moment ago. As you're just waking up this morning and uh, getting set to brush your teeth, consider this. In the future, in the not-too-distant future, a shape-shifting robotic micro-swarm of nanobots could floss and brush your teeth for you. <laughs> What's that you say? A shape-shifting robotic micro-swarm of nanobots could be in your future for flossing and brushing your teeth. Researchers at the University of Pennsylvania say they are microscopic dentists may one day act as a toothbrush, rinse, and dental floss all in one. Using a magnetic field, researchers say they can direct the micro-robot's motion and configuration to form bristle-like structures, kind of like a toothbrush, or elongated strings, like a strand of dental floss that can slip in between the teeth. Uh, The building blocks of these tiny robots contain iron oxide nanoparticles, which produce both catalytic and magnetic reactions, which drive the nanoparticles to produce antimicrobials that can kill harmful bacteria on a person's teeth or gums. Long and short of it is, you have these shape-shifting robotic nanobots that could clean your teeth in the morning. (laughs) I'm not sure whether I should be excited or terrified about that. I'm not. (laughs) Uh, The uh, experiments demonstrated experiments have demonstrated that the robots could conform to the shape of a person's teeth and eliminate all of the biofilms that cause tooth decay and gum disease. Uh, It is it is at the same time a breakthrough for dental health and completely terrifying all at the same time. That is wild. You imagine? (laughs) 
That's not the way that I want to start my day. I'm sorry. I I'm just uh, <clears throat> okay then. Um, this was kind of interesting uh, scientific research out of Europe. Uh, apparently, they have discovered that being hangry is a real thing. Have you ever been hangry? Is that combination of of being hungry and angry you're irritable maybe you didn't get enough sleep and you're tired too and that's all playing into it you've heard that term before he's hangry she's a little bit hangry today whatever Uh, apparently it is a real emotional state researchers in europe have discovered that feeling hungry really does lead to more anger and irritability the uh, state of being hangry uh, researchers note that is uh, the first study to examine how the phenomenon affects a person's day-to-day emotional state. Not only does hunger increase levels of anger and irritability, the uh, study authors say it also lowers a person's level of pleasure. So, if you know, make you irritable, make everybody around you irritable. It is a real thing. This is from uh, Anglia Ruskin University and the Carl Landsteiner University of Health Sciences in Europe. So, um, if you're hangry, it is not just in your mind. It is a real thing. It's kind of interesting. And uh, finally, uh, this morning, among the first things that you need to know, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, see what you think about this. Apparently, the worst thing that the Internet can accuse you of being these days is a gatekeeper. I don't know if you've seen this on social media, but this is the latest um, shaming label that people are using on the internet. And they are labeling, you could be labeled a gatekeeper. And this is apparently a horrible thing. Now, in case you're wondering what that means, a gatekeeper is someone who excludes people from access to knowledge. For example, Kylie Jenner was accused of gatekeeping when she did not share her favorite drink with her followers on social media. That's what it says. She did not share her favorite drink with followers on social media, and so she was accused of gatekeeping. It could also apply to career tricks, opportunities, and more. According to Google Trends, the term has increased uh, quite rapidly uh, since uh, March of 2020, so over the past couple of years. Gatekeeping. It is not sharing information, excluding people from access to knowledge. And I saw that, and I said to myself, have we reached the point where just keeping Anything private is now a reason for public shaming on social media. Any sort of semblance of privacy, trying to keep any sort of semblance of privacy uh, is now reason to be shamed. I mean, Kylie Jenner uh, is one of those social media celebs that generally shares everything. But if she doesn't want to share her favorite drink with her followers... I mean, so what? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, is that really something that we need to shame someone for? 
and we want to keep anything at all in our lives private, according to this, uh, then we are gatekeeping and we deserve to be uh, virtually flogged for it. So, I don't know. Man, I'm not sure that I like where this is going. But there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly sunny today with a high reaching the mid-80s, becoming mostly cloudy tonight, a low of 68. One of the three men arrested in connection with a deadly pursuit that took the life of Bluffton police officer Dominic Francis pleaded guilty to the charges he was facing. Dante Tate pleaded guilty to failure to comply and receiving stolen property in Medina County Common Police Court. He'll be sentenced next month. Two other suspects are being held at the Hancock County Jail, including the man authorities say was driving the stolen car and who's facing a variety of charges, including aggravated vehicular homicide. Get more on the case on the website. The deadly shooting at a 4th of July parade in Illinois has law enforcement in Ohio more vigilant about preventing something like that from happening here. At the Marion County Fair, people may not know it, but the Sheriff's Department beefed up its presence here. And we just ask everyone that comes to the fair just to, you know, be vigilant but not be worried. You know, we're, we're here in force, uh, you know, both in uniform and in plain clothes. You never know where we're going to pop up. The Sheriff's Department says it planned to add more security prior to the shooting in Illinois. ONN's Kevin Landers reporting. Speaking in Cleveland, the president said the Justice Department is closely monitoring developments around the fatal police shooting of Jalen Walker last week in Akron. Police say Walker fired a gun during a car chase. He reportedly jumped out of the car unarmed and was shot dozens of times by several officers. Beginning this week, a stretch of County Road 9 next to Liberty Benton Local Schools is closing for a widening project. It should really, really alleviate any potential traffic problems that would be there in the future. Superintendent Mark Kowalski says the road is being widened to help in handling the increased traffic that will be created by the new K-8 building as well as other events on the school campus. The Cleveland Browns are trading quarterback Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers. The Browns will get a 2024 conditional fifth-round pick for Mayfield. He requested a move from Cleveland after the team was trying to trade for quarterback Deshaun Watson, which it ultimately did. Cleveland will open up this season at Carolina on September 11th. I'm Lisa Taylor. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, early voting is now underway in Ohio's second primary this year. Kayla Griffin is Ohio campaign state director for the group All Voting is Local. It's like deja vu all over again, Kayla. Hopefully, most people understand why this is happening. But for the benefit of those who are saying, wait, didn't we already do this? Kind of explain how we got here. Yes, we are in unprecedented times here in Ohio in that we have a second primary. This is not a special election. This is actually a primary election. We're the only state that has a second primary, even though every other state is trying to figure out this redistricting process as well. And so when we had our May primary, people may have noticed that there were some folks that were left off their ballot, particularly their state rep and their state senator. And so that is what we're going to vote on now. The state rep, the state senator, there are no issues on this ballot. But because we could not agree on state maps, we went back and forth with the courts, and the courts struck almost well every map down. Mm -hmm. The state court did, and then federal court, you know, implemented the third set of maps. 
So that's what we're utilizing to go and push this election through. Um, we will be voting on, again, our state senators and our state representatives. And so that is pretty much it. It's going to be a very small ballot. The long and short of it is that this works uh, mechanically, I guess, for lack of a better term. This works just like the first primary back in May, just with these uh, different set of candidates. And it has been reported that election officials are expecting a very low turnout for this special second primary. I've read reports uh, uh, possibly as low as 5% turnout. How concerning is that to you? That's very concerning. We had a very low primary in May. It was one of the lowest that we've seen in our state, and so, or at least in the last few cycles. And so we know that people are really, really confused. And this is not just folks who are like um, not plugged into, you know, politics or what's happening. These are well-educated people, people who are all over the state are just don't understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's really confusing. And so people have to know what's going on. They need to be well-informed. But in order to do that, like we need lawmakers that are not making this process harder. And I do think that our, our county board of elections, they have been working tirelessly to make sure that they're able to pull this off. Um, if you guys, you know, if you go out and vote early thank them. Yeah. Uh, You make a good point because uh, not only have they had to now go through this a second time in in, uh, taking care of this uh, second primary, but with a very short window to prepare for it. I mean, again, uh, it's not like there's a, a lengthy ballot uh, to be decided, uh, you know, just a, a very short slate of, of, uh, of candidates to vote for, but uh, still, uh, just the timeline has made it a bit of a challenge for many of these, uh, district boards of election. That's right. We have to understand that pulling off an election, a successful election takes time. And it, there are a lot of steps that have to be, um, processed through. So some of the things that we probably don't think about when we go into vote is like, where are we getting this paper from? You know, there's a paper yeah. ba- paper shortage. So where are we getting the paper from? Who's printing the ballots? How many ballots do we actually need printed? You know, do are the ballots um, printed in enough time that the boards can go and proof them? That's something that's scheduled into their proofing time. And so there's a lot that goes into running these elections. Um, and you're, you're right. There's a very short, this ballot will not be long. I, you know, I pulled my sample ballot, and I only have one row yeah. to vote on. Like, there's there's four Which, four rows. You know, I, I get to vote on my state um, central committee person, but then just my state senators and my state rep. Yeah, and and again, that's one of the reasons why uh, I think there is the projection for such a low turnout because the perception is that because there aren't many things to be decided, it must not be important. But that really couldn't be farther from the truth, especially uh, as your organization uh, views this. That's correct. Our state senators and our state representatives they are the people that are making decisions for us in Ohio. And so while we already voted on, you know, governors and um, auditors and the, the executive components mm-hmm. and the federal components, and the local. we need to vote on who will have say. And yeah, and local, excuse me. Right. We need to have, you know, a say on who is going to make decisions for us down in Columbus. And that is what this election is about. We, we know that, you know, 
here in our state, we might never, you know, regular folks like me, we might never meet the president and things like that. But like, I might run into my state rep. I often often run into my state rep. Just out and about, you know, state senate. So those are races that we absolutely need to vote on. Again, uh, kind of the the, uh, mindset of all voting is local. And again, for those who remember when we were talking about this issue as the battle was unfolding over these redistricting maps because... Uh, of all of these issues and the way this was ultimately resolved, Ohio is going to have to go through this process again in four years by uh, the, uh, the the way this process is set up. We're going to have to go through this again in the in the near future. But there is also a Supreme Court case for their upcoming term that could upend this whole thing yet again. And I don't necessarily want to get into uh, all of that. It's a, a topic for another day. But I'm curious, what is your group's take on the overall state of election uncertainty because as you said this is not just an ohio issue alone other states have struggled particularly this go around with redistricting yeah we want to make sure that every voter in our state has equal access to the ballot we want to make sure that people are not left out of the process we want to make sure that it is not convoluted or too difficult for people to cast their ballot. And that is why we really are here. We want to remove barriers to the ballot. And unfortunately, all throughout the nation, there are folks who are, you know, just ignoring the rule of law. They're ignoring our, you know, our constitution. Um, Ohio, that, well, that is what we saw with the redistricting process. We had a constitution amendment um, that happened back in 2018, 2015, mm-hmm. uh, that said we wanted a bipartisan team to decide these uh, these um these maps and what we saw is really you know the commission kind of thumbing their nose at the process um instead of taking it seriously and abiding by what the constitution said and that's really scary to be in a time where we have so much uh, misinformation and disinformation and and then you have people who were sworn oath to the constitution whether the federal or the state constitution. And then once they are in these positions, just they, they abscond duties. They, they, they don't abide by the rule of law. And so when we have a place that is uh, lawless and we just kind of make up our own rules as we go, it really puts us in a, in a bind and makes our work all the more important. We have to make sure that people understand that the power lies in the people. And so when we show up to vote, we maintain and control our power back. We take our power back. Clearly, the uh, debate over redistricting continues, but for now, again, early voting underway in Ohio's second primary uh, this year, and I believe the uh, actual date uh, of the uh, second election day is August 3rd, if I am not mistaken. Is that right? August 3rd, I August- believe is Second. August second. Okay, August second. But we are uh, voting on Tuesday. Yeah, August second. Yeah. Uh, but again, the uh, early voting now underway. Kayla Griffin uh, is Ohio campaign state director for the group. All voting is local. We'll get more information on our webpage for those who uh, need to familiarize themselves with this whole process. Kayla, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We mentioned last week on this uh, program that all three of the major credit reporting agencies, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, announced 
earlier this year that they would be changing their algorithm, their formula, so that most medical debt will, for the most part, be a non-factor in calculating your consumer credit score. And those changes, which were announced back in March, took effect on July 1st. So, to help us understand the details of what this means now that the, these new rules are in effect for both what it means for both you and for lenders, we spoke with America's credit repairman, Paul Oster, the president of the credit repair and credit management firm Better Qualified. From March of this year, it is today's Throwback Thursday. So, Paul, when you start to kind of dig down into the weeds on this new policy, there are some caveats that people need to know. This isn't going to necessarily wipe out all of the negative debt that people may have on their credit report, right? Exactly. So the bureaus have agreed to not report or continue to report medical collections that are paid um, and also not report any medical collections that are less than $500. The problem with that is, you know, you have about 43 million Americans that have some type of uh, medical collection on the reports, uh, totaling uh, a whopping $88 billion uh, worth of uh, debt. So the average medical collection is about $500. So we're, we're going to wait and see, see how, what the percentage is of how many consumers actually have these uh, accounts deleted from the reports. And that's really maybe the first uh, point here is that it is only paid collections that get wiped out. Unpaid medical debt that goes to collections is still a big ding on your credit. But it's good that the that, that which has been paid after going into collection uh, will disappear because just the word collection has been a, a big negative even after it's been paid off. Yeah, that you know, a lot of consumers think that once they pay a collection, it's going to just come off of the credit report. The status will change uh, as to paid or settled for less than, but the damage was done when the account went into collections. Right. And you could easily lose 50 to 100 points off your credit score. But again, that certainly doesn't mean that you no longer have to worry about debt that you haven't paid because unpaid debt is still going to be uh, reported as it has been before. Correct. And listen, the, the message should be very clear. This does not mean you do not have to pay right. your medical bills. You know, So the first thing that consumers need to do is actually Find out if they what's on their credit report. So go to annualcreditreport.com. That's the government's website where we can all get a free copy of our credit report. And if there are items that need to be addressed, late payments or collections or charge-offs, then you have to do so immediately. It does take time yeah. to try and, you know, straighten some things out. There is, uh, again, a kind of a caveat in that even, because you are now going to get a year-long grace period before that unpaid medical debt uh, even shows up. Now, that's good in the sense that it gives you time to get it paid off before it becomes a problem, but... If it's not showing up on your credit report, uh, might be easy to overlook if you go and get a copy of your credit report to find out what you need to take care of. <laughs> that, that's right. So listen, if you're getting letters uh, from a medical billing company, uh, a, a, a hospital, an emergency room, whatever it may be, get in touch with the creditor immediately and get into a payment plan. And that will usually 
keep the account off of your credit report and from going into collections. As long as they're getting paid, I don't want to say they don't care, but it costs them money to report this to the credit bureaus. Mm. So if they're getting paid, they will have a tendency not to report the collection to the credit bureaus. That actually kind of leads to the question that I wanted to ask, whether this is sort of a reasonable compromise for all parties involved, because frankly, it is the risk of a black mark on one's credit rating that is leveraged to get some people to pay their bills. Some people would just ignore it otherwise. That's right. Is there any risk at all for lenders? Uh, Is this in any way going to lead to a less complete picture of a person's ability and propensity for paying their bills? No, the the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and some other, uh, you know, data companies have actually done some studies, and it did show that um, medical collections are not indicative of somebody's, you know, ability or lack thereof to pay off their debts. And as far as propensity, those who uh, would tend to ignore medical debt probably ignore other debt as well. Correct. Correct. So this this really is a win-win for the consumer. You were mentioning earlier that for those who may have future uh, debt uh, that is paid off in collections, uh, they will be able to avoid uh, a hit to their credit score that could amount to 100 points uh, in some cases. This also, I understand, will be applied retroactively. So for consumers who have paid collections debt, Uh, in the past that falls into this category, will they see the same type of immediate impact moving forward? Exactly. You know, so we hope, you know, the other, let's, you know, take a step back here. The credit bureaus have in the past, they've said certain things, but they've done kind of completely the opposite. So again, the responsibility here lies with consumers, get a copy of that report and make sure that that information is still not on the report. Yeah. And I would suspect that it should be a little easier to have that information deleted and removed um, moving forward. The bottom line is sending debt to collections, medical or otherwise, uh, still is a bad thing, something you want to avoid, but a little bit less uh, of an egregious thing when it comes to medical debt, uh, especially with this new change in this formula. Uh, again, uh, Paul Oster is America's credit repair man. He is president of Better Qualified Credit Repair and Credit Management Firm uh, based in New Jersey. And uh, you mentioned the website where folks can get their uh, free credit report. You also have a website where folks can get more information and advice on managing uh, their credit wisely. Yeah, so our website is betterqualified.com. After you get a copy of your report, if you'd like a free credit analysis where we could look at the report, look for red flags of identity theft, look for other accounts that might be causing some lower FICO scores, we will do that absolutely free. Remember, your credit score is either going to cost or save you money every single day for all the things that we have to do when it comes to financing, insurance, you know, utilities, deposits, all of those things are directly tied to our credit score. From March of this year, our conversation with Paul Oster, America's credit repairman, about the new policy that took effect earlier this month, dramatically impacting the way medical debt affects your credit score, what that means for both consumers and creditors. If you want to learn more, We've got the link up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Well, joining us this morning is Ken Parekh. 
We have talked with him on the on the phone before. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Fairbank, which is a fintech startup aimed at targeting the underserved, underbanked, uh, disadvantaged communities. They have uh, recently launched a partnership with the United Nations Human Rights Council to serve the financial needs of refugees around the world, places like Ukraine, Afghanistan. Uh, Ken, first of all, thanks very much for uh, being with us once again. Before we get into thanks for having me. Before we get into this uh, partnership, uh, kind of refresh. Like I said, we talked to you about this before, but for those uh, maybe with a short memory, talk a little bit about what Fairbank is, uh, why you launched it, what the mission is, and so on. Yes, yeah, so I am a technology entrepreneur. Um, had a very successful, um, have a very successful technology business uh, over twenty years, hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, and I'm an engineer. And we are programmed to solve problems. So one of the problems I saw is there is such a big disparity between what a consumer makes on their deposit sitting in the bank versus what the banks are making, you know, on the consumer's deposit. Mm -hmm. The consumers get next to nothing, you know, on the deposits if they're lucky. But the banks are taking the consumer's deposit on the balance sheet and loaning it out to other people and making 5 to 6%, you know, interest rates, right? right? So I've always said that, how is this fair, right? And that's when we created fair. You know, we are fair. We want to uh, make sure that the consumers are benefiting from the deposits into their account. So we created America's first uh, 4% annual savings account, which is, you know, in our, it's a bank product, FDIC, SIPC insured, fully liquid, um, no minimums, no maximums, no nothing. The money is there. You earn your 4% APY. You take it out tomorrow. No problem, right? So, but while the money is there, you earn the highest, you know, rate for your money sitting, right? Uh, risk-free. So, so that's what we created. We went in business. Uh, we've been in business for almost two years. Um, you know, th- thousands and thousands of customers and millions of, uh, you know, deposits and we just continuing to grow. And uh, that was the main mission of FAIR is to be America's savings bank. So as we mentioned, you have now partnered uh, with the United Nations Human Rights Council. Talk about this uh, refugee fundraising partnership. Yes. Let me give you some statistics. So currently there are 100 million displaced refugees in the world. 40% are children under the age of 16. The average age a refugee spends in a refugee camp is about 18 years, right? It means it's it's Hmm. devastating. And a refugee camp is nothing but a half a mile compound or a camp that is set up between two countries uh, with with uh, temporary housing, with tarp housing, and you know porta potties, and you know very very yeah. limited you know living conditions for them to just survive. Yeah. While they wait for permanent asylum into any of the developed nations. So you know we wanted you know to be as as fair. You know we wanted to say you know how can John Albert from Albuquerque, New Mexico, help these refugees? Right? How can we make it at a grassroots level where everybody participates? So we part we we donate you know lots of money to United Nations refugee centers, and um, so we said okay let's make a campaign where if anybody opens up an account with Fair between now and August twentieth, you know we 
donate $50 to the United Nations, which is great. However, let's continue to make this a gift that keeps giving. Second is how do we, um, so what we did was we created this 1% match campaign, 1% match campaign where if when you put money in your account, you make your 4%, great. But then Albert is making his 4%, but then what I'm doing is I'm matching Albert's 1% and donating that 1% to the United Nations Refugee Centers. Mm. So as long as Albert continues to have his bank account and deposits into FAIR, you know, we continue to donate on behalf of Albert to the UN. Mm. And again, those are such dramatic numbers. And like we said, one of the goals I know from talking to you in the past is uh, that, that the goal of Fairbank was to kind of democratize uh you know these financial services and let everyone share in the wealth even though uh, they may not have gobs and gobs of money and so i would imagine it's kind of a a natural extension of that to focus on helping refugees uh around the world yeah 100% the idea is to so FAIR also has free international money transfer, right? You know, if you're a member of FAIR, mm-hmm. you don't have to, um, you know, uh, donate. Uh, you don't have to spend, you don't have to pay a transaction fee to send money to Mexico or India or Pakistan or whatever. It's for free with the highest currency exchange rate. So we really want to be fair to the world and allow people from all parts of the world who live in the U.S. to make FAIR their number one choice of banking but at the same time, I want every American to make sure that they make fair the number one place of savings. And and certainly, uh, for much of your clientele, they can uh, uh, they can assimilate, they can uh, commiserate with the experience of these refu- refugees. They know on some level uh, some of what they are are going through. So a a natural fit uh, for uh, much of your clientele to begin with. And how do folks learn more about uh, these efforts to help refugees and about Fairbank uh, in general? It's bankwithfair.com. Real easy to remember, and we will link that up on our webpage. Uh, such a tremendous partnership uh, to uh, help those in that are so much in the news and in in such need of help. So many people around the world find themselves in these untenable situations. Again, Ken Parekh, uh, the founder and CEO of Fair Bank with us this morning. Ken, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. You're listening to Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A couple of uh, animal stories to lead off the broken news this morning. In Florida, Jacksonville to be specific, a man who killed his neighbor's pet rooster is claiming (laughs) self-defense. Claiming self-defense. Uh, James Nix claims that he was checking his mail when his neighbor's rooster began to attack him. <laughs> so so he attacked back and uh, struck the animal with a stick, killing it. Mr. Nix's neighbor believes that the act was intentional, uh, and he is facing charges uh, resulting uh, or, or related to the incident. Facing charges uh, for this. 
be interested to see where that story goes. I'm not sure. Uh, elsewhere in the broken news. And out, this is an amazing story. An Alabama animal shelter is returning a homing pigeon to its owner. The uh, pigeon named Bob. <laughs> because what else would you name a homing pigeon? But Bob. Bob had turned up at the Monroe County Animal Shelter about 90 miles from Mobile. Uh, <laughs> and about 4,000 miles from his intended destination. Bob got a little off course. You see, uh, Bob's owner lives in England. Uh, Bob was supposed to plot to fly 10 hours from the Channel Islands in the UK to his home in Northeast England. Bob, but Bob got lost somewhere and ended up in Alabama. Uh, Bob was covered in oil when he landed in Alabama. His owner believes that the bird hitched a ride on an oil tanker to get across the Atlantic Ocean. I think that he actually flew all that way, but that is pretty amazing. Can you imagine if you lost your homing pigeon, Bob, and you think, well, he's gone forever, right? And then you get a call from the animal shelter in Mobile, Alabama. That is... Uh, it's pretty impressive. So uh, some good news there. Bob is going to be reunited with his owner. Uh, this is kind of crazy. I guess this is the future where if the person in your life, uh, if a, a special person in your life passes away, you can now keep their tattoos forever. Uh, this report from the website Loudwire reports the tattoo preservation company Save My Ink Forever makes it possible for family members, friends uh, to keep a piece of skin from, the, from their late tattoo-laden loved one. This is how it works. When a tattooed person, you know, expires and their loved ones want to hold on to their tattoos, they have the funeral home or crematory. Contact Save My Ink Forever 72 hours before the funeral. When the body is being prepped, the mortician will cut the tattooed skin and send it off to the preservation place. It will then be preserved and framed like a piece of art before being sent back to the recipient. <laughs> Does this sound creepy yet? This is... Um, it takes about three months for the skin in a box to uh, arrive by mail. Save My Ink Forever is available in 21 states, uh, depending on the burial laws in the area. It is also expanding to Canada and the United Kingdom. So if there is someone in your life with some real sweet ink, now you can rest easy knowing that they won't take it you know, to the grave with them when they die. They can... <laughs> wow! That's just, that's borderline disturbing, isn't it? That's, hmm. <clears throat> or you can just take a photo. You know, that's the other thing that you can do. Uh, let's see here. A change in the law in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, the next time you're in Kalamazoo, you may soon be able to relieve yourself wherever you want and not have to worry about it. M Live reporting that the city is looking to decriminalize several misdemeanor offenses following a recommendation from the city attorney's office. Attorney Clyde Robinson has recommended decriminalizing things like littering, abandoning refrigerators, leaving wrecked or inoperable vehicles, using barbed wire or electric fences, 
smoking in parking ramps, and public urination. It would be decriminalized. (laughs) And Mr. Robinson says, I know it's kind of crude, but the fact is we are a college town, so there's a lot of times drinking and people can't seem to find a restroom. (laughs) So relieving oneself in public uh, should no longer be a misdemeanor, just a civil infraction. Previously, those crimes could score you jail time on top of a fine, but as a civil infraction, you just get a ticket with a fine attached. To deter those uh, drunk college students from thinking they can throw trash anywhere and pee all over the place, he is proposing increasing the fines. For example, if you get caught dumping a bunch of trash, you could be fined up to $2,500. He's also proposing community service as another deterrent because nobody wants to serve the community, right? Um, (laughs) said Commissioner Jeannie Hess of the proposed new ordinances, quote, it was a necessary step and hopefully the city benefits from that. Oh, sure. Why wouldn't the city benefit from allowing public urination? (laughs) It is Michigan, after all. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. And, uh, And finally, in the broken news this morning... Nothing like, on a hot summer's day, popping open a cold one and having a hot dog, right? What's more American than that? A beer and a hot dog. Now a Texas-based company, the Martin House Brewing Company, has decided to combine the two. As part of the Fort Worth Grizzly Fest, the company will officially unveil their awesome sauce hard seltzers. It is a hard seltzer made with the leftover water from more than 50 pounds of boiled hot dogs. No, just no. If you're interested, though, apparently the stuff tastes like you would expect a boozy hot dog. The uh, Grizzly Fest celebrates all things hot dogs, according to the event's Facebook page, and includes uh, John Cougar Mellencamp cover band. Second on chili dogs. Uh, Anyway, uh, if you're uh, looking for some of your uh, own, if you want to try it yourself, the awesome sauce hard seltzer, I don't know why you would, uh, the spiked seltzer production is unfortunately, or fortunately, going to be limited to just 420 cans, so it's not going to be widely available, but that's... (sighs) You know, I think we've gone overboard in the flavor department. There you go! Uh, that <laughs> we've reached critical mass with the flavored hard seltzers there. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It's the WFIN Virtual Car Show. Get them out, shine them up, and upload a pic of your classic, and we'll post it to WFIN.com for everybody to see. In addition, we'll have an online car show calendar so that you know when and where all the area shows are. It's chrome and horsepower on display online. The WFIN Virtual Car Show and Calendar. Thanks to Details Auto Spa, Loritz Chevrolet Cadillac, and 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, Falling into the latter latter category this morning, there is a uh, popular uh, notion that as we age, our libido kind of uh, trails off, right? Um, Apparently, that 
is not necessarily the case. A new survey finds that older couples are getting busy with it even more often than their younger counterparts. This is a survey of 1,000 adults who are in committed relationships. And they asked how often they got it on. Uh, And some rather surprising results here. While 40% of those in Generation Z, in that age range, which is uh, young people age 25 and younger. So 40% of individuals in in that group say that they are uh, active once a week. Okay. However, one third of those age 65 and older say they are doing the deed at least once a day. (laughs) And 15% of baby boomers are knocking boots multiple times a day. (laughs) What do you think about that? Uh, Very surprising. Very surprising. Um, Relationship expert Tracy Cox says the best place to find a date if you are... If you are lagging behind in this department, um, the best places to find dates. If uh, you are not into going to the club or or dating apps, uh, she says the gym, the park, while walking a dog, a coffee shop, or volunteering in your community. All great places to meet like-minded people, uh, people with whom you may share uh, common interest, and so you would uh, immediately, um, you know, maybe have a uh, connection. You'd be off to a good start. So make eye contact, have open body language, and smile. That can help indicate that you are interested. <laughs> In case you need, you've got some catching up to do. So happening around town, the Fort Findlay Playhouse is launching their 2022-23 season this month. And first up is the comedy Making God Laugh. Samantha Henry and Seth Camishoni is uh, are with us. Did I get that right? Uh, not quite. No. Commissione. Commissione. Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. There we go. There we go. Right. I, I apologize, <laughs> Seth. Uh, uh, but the uh, the show Making God Laugh is, uh, as we said, it's a, a comedy. This is kind of a, a family type uh, show, right? Oh uh, yeah, so. for sure. It um, follows this family across the span of thirty years, and you kind of see how they operate and their um, how they're dysfunctional, how they interact with each other, and that those dynamics and how they change over the course of all those years. Now we've all heard that saying: if you uh, you want to make God laugh, tell them your plans. I, I would imagine that's kind of the the plot in a nutshell. Here. Yes, that line is actually mentioned in the show, mm-hmm. which I think is funny, and she talks about seeing it in some magazine. I think that's one of the most interesting things about the show is there. it is th- over 30 years, like Seth was talking about, and it is so specific on the references that it has, the movie stars it talks about, the different products mm. that it talks about, which yeah. is really cool. Um, but like Seth was talking about, the dysfunction in the family kind of comes from their own dysfunction, what they want out of life, and then what actually happens for them, and what their parents want for them out of life. It's and so interesting, because I think every uh, every family believes that they are a dis- dysfunctional family. Right, sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I don't care who you talk to, they say, well, our family is just not normal. So it kind of <laughs> leaves you wondering what normal is. But kind of give us a, a, a general outline of the synopsis here this uh, of this show. What's going on? 
So it starts in the 1980s, and it um, it all focuses around the kids coming home for the holidays. Mm. So the first okay. holiday we come home for is Thanksgiving. It's in the 80s. We're all in our 20s um, and kind of just talking about early starting out as adults. Um, and then the next scene is Christmas time, and it's in the early 90s, um, and you kind of see – um, you got to hear about what their aspirations were in the first scene, but then right. you get to see kind of how that plays out mm-hmm. 10 years later. Um, and then the third scene then would be in 2000. So there's a lot of like Y2K jokes. Our o- older brother in the show mm-hmm. is convinced that the world is going to shut down. So that scene kind of focuses on that. And um, Tom's particular character, which is the Seth character, the character that Seth is playing, um, that's kind of his big scene where you see what happens with the rest of his life. Um, and then the last scene is in the 2010s mm. and kind of seeing where the family ends up. Um, it, it strikes me that the, the one thing that immediately comes to my mind is uh, the TV show This Is Us. Yes. Um, which kind of is the same yes. principle, although this one is told actually in chronological order as opposed Correct. to the show that kind of jumped around Correct. a little bit. But it's that same type of uh, t- same type of thing. And again, certainly very relatable for just about everybody, I would imagine. Uh, for sure. I think, you know, we all know someone, if not ourselves, who was going down one path and then life, life took another turn. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, is this really what I want to do? And you kind of change course and find that something new. It sounds like it's going to be a terrific show. Uh, relatively a modern uh, play. This is yes. Um, yeah. something exciting this year about the playhouse is we're actually doing shows that we've never done before. So that's kind of true across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, but this show in particular um, is not very old. I think it was published and done first in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of exciting to do something that people will not have probably seen. Yeah. Um, so it's not going to be something that they're sitting there and be like, oh, I know what happens You here know what happens next. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the tickets are on sale now. Correct. Uh, the show actually opens, you said, on the 14th. Correct. So tell us all of the uh, details. Give us all of the... Uh, um, so tickets are available 24-7 online at fortfinleyplayhouse.org. There are no additional fees on those tickets so that's definitely the easiest way to get them yeah um but we do have box office hours it's 12 to 3 monday wednesday and friday um the box office phone number is 567-525-3636 and then they're also available the day of the show 30 minutes prior to the show time if they're not sold out correct uh, so <laughs> correct. get your uh, tickets early and as we mentioned that it opens on the 14th, 14th. what are the show dates yeah, July 14th through the 17th. Um, the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday shows are at 8 o'clock. The Sunday show on the 17th is at 5. And then we also have shows July 22nd through the 24th. The Sunday show is still at 5. All right. Uh, so this is one not to be missed. It sounds like it's going to be a great show, uh, Making God Laugh, the uh, family comedy to open up the 2022-23 season. And uh, Samantha, as you were mentioning, a lot of the shows, uh, or, or all of the shows this year, are ones that haven't been done at the Playhouse before. Some uh, things that may be new to folks. Uh, just running down the uh, the list, Blood Moon uh, Memories, the Savannah Sipping Society, uh, Elf the Musical uh, for uh, Christmas Time, Murder on the Orient Express, and Mary Poppins. It's kind of amazing that some of those haven't uh, been done before. At the yeah, it's, um, it's really exciting to kind of see these new shows be um, performed in mm-hmm. this context and um, kind of straying away from, 
you know, things that have been done in the past yeah. or things, you know, that type of stuff. How exciting is that when you get to some of those highlights like the uh, Elf musical Mary Poppins and uh, Murder on the Orient Express, which is such a, a terrific classic when you find out that those are all on the schedule for this year? Yeah, it really, I think, shows there's kind of something for everyone this season and a lot of opportunity to come out and just enjoy some nice theater and great opportunities to get involved. Uh, you know, what uh, great shows to, you know, jump in and be a part of the Fort Finley Playhouse. I was a part of the play selection committee this year, and that was something that we really focused on, was having something for everyone to be involved in. We didn't have an opportunity for a lot of, like, kids to be involved last year. Um, we wanted to kind of do shows we knew we could produce and produce easily coming off of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year, we're like, let's throw every challenging show that we have in the same <laughs> season. Um, but it is it is very exciting. I think the audience is excited to see stuff that they have never seen before or has have not seen in our space. Um, it's exciting for us to do things that we've not done. Um, and it's also exciting because there are some tech things this year with Elf and with Mary Poppins in particular um, that hopefully we'll get some new people to help with like set and design and lights and sound and all of that different stuff. Because um, I find that that's how people get involved in the Playhouse. Mm-hmm. They start out with something smaller like that or they might want to be in the ensemble and both Elf and Mary Poppins have kids and they have a huge ensemble. So yeah. there's a lot of opportunity for that and kind of suck them in and then they stay for us for long periods so, of time. They, they do tend to do that. Yes. <laughs> folks that come back over and over again once they get involved. And and how do folks get involved? What is the, the best way? I mean, if you hear us talking about these and, and say, hey, you know, this would be something maybe I'd like to uh, become a part of the uh, community theater troupe. What do, you know, how there do- are a couple of different ways. Um, one is just to come down to auditions. Um, even if you're not interested interested in auditioning we have an audition form that has all of the tech pieces at the bottom that you mm-hmm. can mark what you're interested in and then the producer of that particular show will reach out to you to help um, we also have um, board meetings the first Wednesday of every month at 7:30 at the playhouse everyone's welcome at those and then we have general membership meetings the fourth Wednesday of the month all of that information especially about the uh, audition times and such uh, on the website yep at fortfinleyplayhouse.org. Okay, we've got it linked up, by the way, so you get more information about the uh, upcoming season, the first show of which is Making God Laugh. Uh, Again, tickets are on sale now. Opening night is July 14th. Go to goodmornings.net for more information on that. Samantha Henry and Seth Camascione. Did I get it right? I, I, I still messed it up. <laughs> Camasioni. Just call him Seth. Just, Just call him Seth. Seth. Anyway, yep. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for dropping by and certainly Thank best of so luck with the show. You. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information on everything that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. So bookmark our page and check back every day because there's always something new there. Coming up tomorrow on the program, we've often heard the saying that men are from Mars and women are from Venus, and maybe that's why they don't speak the same language. How to make sense of the way the other half communicates with the author of Sex Talk. Yeah, it's not what you think. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.